And so I want to talk about that aspect of praise and of worship. Psalm 40, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth. Is that up there? All right. Can we read the word together? Let's read it together. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many people will see this and worship Him. Then they will trust the Lord. Amen. Two requirements concerning worship. The first is a vertical, the vertical dimension. That is a celebration. David talks about his experience with God. He has had a personal experience with God. Now, I don't, you see, because we are in a charismatic kind of a, a movement, Pentecostal movement, whatever you want to call it. In other words, we have become familiar with the moving of the Spirit. We have become familiar with the touch of God upon people's lives. We have seen lives being touched, lives being healed. You know, when we go to Punjab, uh, because the people don't really, most of them are not believers when they come into a meeting, and then they see good things begin to happen because their faiths are so simple. The difference between a person who does not know the Lord and a person who knows the Lord is this. The person who does not know the Lord has more faith than the person who knows the Lord. Because when a person does not know the Lord and you tell them that Jesus loves them and wants to touch them and wants to heal them, they come forward and they receive a healing. The believer, when you get them to come, they say, God loves you. He loves me. Huh? But I didn't pray enough. I didn't read the Bible enough. Will he do this for me? Huh? Then you begin to question. You believe, the believer believes that God can do everything and anything except for them. Huh? Come on. A little closer to home, but it's the truth. So when they come, they're always thinking, but I'm a believer, I'm supposed to be doing one, two, three, four, five, but I didn't do this one, two, three. Will God touch me? Will God heal me? Listen, God, irrespective of who you are, you cannot stop the love of God being poured out. You cannot stop the power of God by your limitation, you know, by trying to limit Him in your mind. He wants to do it. Jesus could not do many miracles there because they did not believe that He could do it for them. And so we've got to believe that God can do it for us. Come on, amen. David had an experience with God. I mean, he, he, uh, uh, he, he knew that God had rescued him. See, David did not enjoy the kind of privilege you and I are enjoying. The experience of having our sins forgiven, able to come into the presence of God without a high priest. He didn't have all of that. He was still under the old covenant. But as I said, David functioned as a new covenant believer because he believed that he could come into the presence of God anytime. And he could experience God. And he sang, he wrote songs and sang uh, songs to this God in a very personal manner. The Lord is my shepherd. You know Psalm 23, don't you? Hello? I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He, he, he. And then he changes it and he says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. From the he to the you. He changes it. He applies what he knows about God to himself personally. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He, he, he. 
Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou art with me. Thou anointest my head with oil. Come on, amen. You set a table in the presence. You do this and you do this. See, we, we, we need to take that which is written and apply it to ourselves presently. The preceding word must now become the proceeding word. It must come into our lives. David experienced all of this, so he, he began to praise God. Now, a few things about worship, the way David worshipped. For one, he worshipped loudly. David did not know silent praise. He worshipped loudly. Psalm 66, verse 1. Psalm 100, verse 1. Shout unto the Lord, all the earth. Shout unto the Lord. Psalm 47, verse 1. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, amen. He's talking. He, he, it was never a silent kind of praise. David was very vocal, very loud. Psalm 95, verse 1. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Celebration. It was a loud celebrating of God like we sang just now. How can I keep it inside? You know, God is alive. I mean, I've experienced Him. How can I keep this joy inside? How can I keep the good things God has done on the inside? Shout aloud unto the Lord. Come on, amen. It has to be a very vocal, very loud kind of a shouting, celebrating. Oh, pastor, you know, I'm not that kind of a person. All right. Now, Pastor David is celebrating his 70th birthday. Hallelujah. Let's sing him a song. Happy birthday. No, no, no. Shh. Sing in your heart. Don't, don't have to be vocal. Just, I know you love him. I know you want to, but don't, don't, don't loudly, just softly. You want to sing, sing. Happy birthday to you. Or sing it in your heart. Now we're going to celebrate Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Shh, don't, don't. Softly. Merry Christmas. Enough. Or just wish people in your heart. Don't, don't. Why, why must it be vocal? 31st December. Three, two, one. Happy New Year. Don't be loud. Why must you be loud? I mean, can, can, can worship God in our heart? If you celebrate something, David celebrated. He celebrated God. It was loud. It was vocal. Now, by the way, it was not just a singing of a song. It says he sang to God. He addressed it to God. It was not just a singing of a song. Every time he sang, it was to God. And you know something about it? He sang, it says, a new song, now, or a fresh song. That does not mean every time he sang, he wrote a new song. It simply meant he took the old one and sang it like it was new. Sometimes when you hear some of the old songs, choruses that we sing, you sing it as if it is new. Isn't that right? The song we sang. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's an old song. But it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. 
but it's all about you. It's an old song, but when you sing it to him, you say again, Lord, I'm sorry. I took worship out of its context. I keep forgetting that it's all about old song, but in a new manner. Come on. The vertical dimension celebration. There's also the horizontal dimension, which is a proclamation. He's, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see it and fear. With great reverence, they will trust confidently in the Lord. Many will see it. When David sang, he said, my singing must be a proclamation. People must see the way I praise God and understand that there is a God who is very real. The trend today is to have the whole church in darkness while the platform is lighted up. Why? I want many to see me worship. I want many to see because I want them to see that I am proclaiming the goodness of God. Come on, amen. See, in Acts chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, the Jews, the proselytes, Cretans, all these people were there. We hear them telling in our own tongues. What did they do? They heard them praising God in new languages, but it was languages that they... Uh, uh, people could understand. And what did they hear? They heard the people praising God. They heard them and they all ran towards where they were. 120 guys attracted thousands. And on that day, 3,000 got saved. But they came to hear. We hear them speaking. What were they speaking? What were they shouting? What were they celebrating? They were celebrating God and all the great things God was doing. And people saw it and they said, what does this mean? Come on, amen. Two requirements, celebration, proclamation. And because of that, there will be two results from worship. Number one, attraction. They were attracted. They rushed to where these 120 were worshipping. They came in because they heard the loud sound, not so much of a preacher on a microphone, but people together individually worshipping God. Everybody, this was not something that was led by a worship leader. This was something that people celebrated because God had done a new thing in their hearts. The Holy Spirit had come and because he had come, they were worshipping him. And as they worshipped him, people began to come to see. This is not one person up there celebrating, or this was not a performance. This was a group of people individually standing where they were, kneeling where they were, and shouting out the good things that God was doing. Hallelujah. You don't know how powerful your personal worship is. It, is, it has got the power to praise and, and attract people. So Jesus said in John chapter 12, of course, he was talking about the, his crucifixion in John 12 verse 32. And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Have you noticed that when we sing about Jesus, your spirit gets lifted up? It's nice to celebrate, sing good songs of testimonies, you know, good testimonial songs and, and the power, you know, and, and we are, you know, kind of uh, receiving power from God. All these songs are great. I mean, it, it raises our faith up. But when you begin to sing about Jesus, it's all about you, Jesus. Something happens in your spirit. 
something begins to happen. Great revivals, you know. If you consider revivals, you will see that when revivals break out, people come in to just see what is happening to the people. They are not interested in what's happening on the pulpit. They are watching what's happening to the people. And, and they know these people. I know brother so-and-so. I know the guy is working together with me. And, and he has shared the kind of trouble. I know the kind of trouble he's going through. And yet, in spite of all of that, the guy is praising God, worshiping God. You know, when I was in the hospital, I was just coming out of the surgery and everything else, and in all that pain, strangely, there was a song that kept coming up in my spirit, listen, coming up in my spirit that I didn't know the words to. All I know was just, just maybe just the chorus. I'll praise you in the storm, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am. Every tear I cry, you hold in your hand. That's a good song. And though my heart is torn, you know, God, you are always there. And the song, I mean, every moment I'm awake, the song would come up. Now, how could God bring a song up in my heart if I had not sung it again and again in church? We sang it a few times, just a few times. But because I sang it from the depths of my heart, it stayed. Are you listening to me? They say the reason why women remember things more than men, I mean a lot of things that happen, husband and wife. Women remember them more because men, whatever happened, they already forget. Ladies, I told you in it. Huh? Remember or not? Huh? Seven years ago, on a Thursday, at 11.30, this is what you said. It's because they, they attach things to emotions. And when anything is attached to an emotion, it burns into your memory. That's why women are very emotional people, therefore it burns. And so they can tell you things. And when we get our emotions, that's why it's so important for us to get our souls, our emotions. I will praise you with my whole soul. It's not just a spirit experience. Your whole soul, your emotions gets involved with the song. It stays. And in the most difficult times when you need a song in the dark, it will surface. The Holy Spirit will bring it because you sang it with all your heart. Come on, amen. Don't go and learn songs that will burn in your heart <laughs> that are terrible, you know. But get, learn songs that will lift your spirit up. I mean, I needed that. Though my heart is torn. And yeah, I will praise you in the storm. Though my heart is torn, I will I mean, I didn't even think about the song, man. I'm lying there and the song comes up. And it fits into the position. I, only now I realize it was, I was having the heart surgery. But I, I will praise you in the storm. I will praise you in the storm. And so that's why, you know, it, it, it's, it has the power to attract people when we begin to worship God. But since I'm speaking a bit more personal, let me get a little closer. The opposite is true. Because... When people see that I am bored, 
of church. When I don't worship, how do my children react when they watch me worshiping God? When I get involved, the reason why uh, I want my children, grandchildren to learn to worship God is uh, it, because I want them to know God, but I want them to watch and learn. This is how you worship God. When you don't, guess what? They're going to follow the same thing. They see you're not involved. They see you're bored with God. You don't want to worship. And so they will also do the same thing. What am I promoting? What's going to happen? Are they attracted to worship or do they want to just back off? Because they don't see it happening. Come on. Okay, I got a little bit too personal. What are they learning from my demeanor in worship? Do they see the same excitement as when they see me celebrating with my friends at other events and not celebrating God in the house of God? What do they see? What do they learn? So the second result, the first result is attraction. It attracts people. The second is activation. In other words, through worship, lost people are drawn to Christ, but at the same time, believers feel the urge, the tug to reach out and tell others about their worship experience. Why don't you come? God is so good. I have shared this many times with you in talking about the miracles of Christ. Who told the woman with the issue of blood that Jesus, this rabbi, this carpenter of Nazareth, had the ability, the power to heal? Who told her? But she was convinced that this person was so powerful that even the garment that he had could bring about her healing. Whoever that person was, I'd like to meet that person and say, man, I wonder, how did you describe Jesus, man? You must have described him in such a wonderful way that the woman would risk coming out knowing it was against the law to walk the streets with an issue of blood. She was not supposed to touch anyone. She came out, pressed against the crowd, touched this man. What did you tell her that convinced her to come out. Who told the Syrophoenician woman to travel all the way and come and, and, and plead with Jesus even when Jesus did not answer her a word? She kept on pleading. What did the person say to her that convinced her that if you keep on just following after him, he will touch you? Don't give up. No matter what he says, keep following. Did this person who told experience the same kind of, uh, uh, have the same kind of experience being rejected by Christ but kept on following and then eventually got the miracle? I ask myself these questions. Somebody told someone and that person came out. The reason why I came to church is because somebody told me, he says, you know, you got to go to church. You, you need help. You really need help. And so I turned everywhere else. There was no help. I decided, okay, I'm going to sit in the church. Sat right at the back, couldn't understand a word the preacher was saying, but all I could think about was, Jesus, if you are real, help me. And he did. He came through powerfully. And I'm still a preacher now 50 years later. Hallelujah. That's something. So, it, it, worship and, and witness come together. It has to. Let me share with you a couple of examples. Isaiah chapter 6, we all know the story. Isaiah is in the temple. He sees the angels around the throne of God. They're all shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, we often take that scripture and we say they are worshiping the Lord. They are. 
in a way. As they describe to each other, they are shouting to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. They are around the throne, describing what they are seeing, worshipping, worshipping. And Isaiah is there, worshipping the God that they are surrounded, angels around the throne of God. He has this fantastic vision. And as he sees all these things, then it says in verse, uh, it goes down, I saw the Lord seated and then I heard the voice of the Lord saying to me, who would I send? He's saying, I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My people are terrible. They are sinful. God, I'm living in the midst of unclean people. They take a coal, put a fire on his mouth. And then God says, now who shall I send? If they are unclean, I want to make them clean. But who should I send? And Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. So in other words, it is only after Isaiah has a worship experience God says to him, this is not good enough. It's good to be attracted into my presence, but you must be activated. You must, something must happen. Go tell, who shall I send? Here am I. Let me give you another one. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where, they, where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped. Some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore, make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. It is as they worship him, next comes the commission. Out of worship will come a commission. We cannot be worshipers without becoming effective witnesses. And we cannot be witnesses before becoming worshippers. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. It comes together like bread and butter. It comes together. You cannot just have bread alone. You've got to have bread and butter together, or whatever you put in your bread. You've got to have something in the sandwich. Come on, amen? So the thing is, when, when there is worship, there will also be witness. That's what God expects of us that we be able to tell others. We said this is a worshiping, first thing. Our church is a worshiping, evangelistic, healing, training center. That's what our church is. A worshiping, evangelistic. Worship, evangelize. Worship, witness. Can I hear an amen? All right. There, there must be a sharing if, you don't, if we worship God with all our hearts and then keep it inside, you will explode in very negative ways. So we've got to learn to express and share what we have. Okay, the last, two, the last thing is two responses from us. Number one, celebrate enthusiastically. The word enthusiastic, two words, in God. Enthus, theos. The word enthusiastic means to be in God. To be enthusiastic is people who are in God who should be excited. Can I hear an amen? That's where the word enthusiastic comes from. To be in God, to celebrate enthusiastically because we are in God, we have every reason. We used to sing a song, Oh, the children of the Lord have a right to shout and sing. We have the right to shout and sing because we have been redeemed. Come on, say amen. How many of you have been redeemed? Okay, seven. 
We are redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have been redeemed. We have been saved. We have been uh, transported out of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. We are children of the living God. We have a right to shout and sing in spite of all that we are going through. So in everything we give thanks unto the Lord. Come on. In everything, giving thanks unto the Lord, praising Him in spite of, not because of, but in spite of. If you go because of, then you're waiting for something good to happen before you praise Him. I'll praise Him in the storm. I'll praise Him in the good times and in the bad times. When I'm on the mountain or in the valley, God is still the same. God does not change. Come on, amen. He is my God. And he will be with me though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not if I walk through, although I am going through it, you are with me. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. Celebrate enthusiastically. Don't just say, you know, I'll just clap my hands. At one time, you know, this guy, he, people were worshiping and he saw this. So he said, if God wanted me to raise my hands like this, he would have made my hands short. I'm supposed to raise it higher and worship him. Now I'm not saying if you raise your hand like that because I also raise my hand like that. But I'm just saying if you want to do it, do it enthusiastically. Raise your hands. Worship. Sing loudly. Worship him from the depths of your heart. Don't allow uh, the, the worship team to control your volume. Are you all listening to me? Sometimes because the music is loud, we cannot hear ourselves sing, so therefore we don't sing. I sing, man. Now I know some of you cannot carry a tune in a bucket, but sing anyway. The Bible does say, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So if you're a noise maker, make noise. It's a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen. I like to watch these little videos that come up, you know, the, all the little baby videos. Have you seen the baby videos? And I see this little girl standing there. I mean, she's, I think, about one, less than a year. I mean, just starting to walk, small girl, showing temper. <laughs> Have you seen that one? <laughs> Rubbish. But it's so nice. The parents are filming this, putting it on YouTube, get more than a million likes. Their baby's talking rubbish, but it's so nice. Can you fold your arms and get angry in the presence of God? Sure you can. What you are saying is just gibberish, <laughs> but he likes to hear you talk. Whatever you do, do with all your minds. Celebrate enthusiastically. Number two, Share earnestly. Share earnestly. Let people know you are concerned for their soul. Let them know that you want them to know this God whom you say you love. Matthew chapter 22, 37 through 40. He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Somebody asked in the Bible study, which part of us, this is not just talking about parts of us, he's talking about your entire being. And you shall love your neighbor. The second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments 
hang or depend all the laws and the prophets. Simplicity of the Christian life. All the laws that you read about, Old Testament, and all the commandments, he said is fulfilled in two things. Love God, love people. That's all. And if you can do these two things, you're living a fantastic Christian life. Come on. Love God, worship, love people, witness. Share earnestly with them. Let them know you care. Let them know you're concerned for them, for the welfare of their souls, that they have a good life, that they have the kind of joy God wants to give them, that you, they can also share the abundant life that we talk about. Jesus comes to give us life, man. When I became a Christian, it's not the taking away, removing of things, but it's the addition of things into my life. I have become so enriched ever since I came to know the Lord. Come on. Just as you experience others, uh, experience God, let others also experience Him. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Stand together with me. The simplicity of worship. Why do we come together and worship God? So that we can have a collective experience of the presence of God. And then when we leave, may we go out as witnesses. Not just as worshipers, but be witnesses unto the Lord. And so I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you.